Amen. Guys, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs tonight, Proverbs chapter 8. If you want to open a Bible, you can go that way. If you want to use the little booklet that we've provided, you can do that as well. Back there in the foyer, we have, if you didn't pick it up, a little booklet on Proverbs 8. Again, we are printing out the entire chapter in each booklet, giving you the opportunity to use this little booklet to mark it up, to circle, to, to write in it as much as you want. And again, in so many ways, longing that God would open up to you the things that he has. Hey, for you guys who are joining us online, that's also possible for you as well. You can go to our website at calvaryrosal.com, go up under the messages, you will find there the booklet, the message for tonight listed and a download uh, button where you can download this booklet, booklet as a PDF and we just invite you to do that so that you can be with us as well if you're wanting to use the same booklet that we're using in the midst of the study tonight. Again, if you had it from last week, this is the same booklet you used last week because we covered part of uh, Proverbs 8 last week, and tonight we're going to finish that up. So with uh, our, the booklet or your Bible, one way or another, in front of you, we want to just go right now and ask for God to open up His Word to us. And so I invite you to that, inviting all those online again in the same way, both to join us in prayer, but again, hoping you have a Bible, either the booklet or you're opening up Proverbs 8 to be there with us. So let's just go before God right now and ask that He would meet us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the things that you show us. And even with anticipation, I thank you for the things that you want to show us tonight. Help us to hear. Help us to understand. Help us to respond in the way that your truth would be at work in us for good and for the things that you have for us. God, you know us. You know what we need in this. And so take your truth and apply it to each and every one of us. We ask for it together right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It has to be one of the funniest stories found in the scriptures. I think about it there in the book of Numbers, the story of Balaam. Many of you guys know it. He was a prophet for hire, in many ways hired by Midian to curse the nation of Israel, and he begins to go. Uh, he begins to go in a, what God would call a perverse heart, to, to go and be a part of that, and God sends an angel uh, to stop him in the way, an angel that stands in the way, but the problem is Balaam doesn't see it. He doesn't see the, the angel, but he lets Balaam's donkey see the, the angel, which is an incredibly funny story. So there he is riding the donkey, and the donkey sees the angel and, and, and presses against the side of the canyon that is next to almost crushing Balaam's leg. And he's furious after this whole thing and begins to take out his stick and beat the donkey and drives him another direction. The angel moves, stands in the way again, and, and, and once more, there's just no place to go. And so the donkey just sits down. I mean, just plops on the ground and Balaam is beyond furious now. He begins beating the donkey and says, man, I wish I had a sword. I would kill you right here and now. And then God opens up the, the donkey's mouth and they begin to have this really funny conversation. And the donkey's like, why are you beating me? Like, you know, and Balaam's like, because you wouldn't go, you know, and it's like, well, but have I ever done this to you in the past? And Balaam's like, well, no, I guess not. This is, this is kind of a unique little circumstance now. And then God opens his eyes and he sees what's in front of him. He sees that the angel is there resisting him and Balaam relents. He, he finally gets it. It's a great account, true story of what took place in the midst of that. But I draw your attention because I, I think even in the midst of that, we can find something that I want to communicate to you tonight, and that is the danger that God might be communicating. And much like Balaam, us be completely not hearing. 
I mean, circumstances around us that should be like, well, this is interesting, but what's going on? It never happened like this before. I mean, what's happening in the midst of this? And so many times God is speaking into our world and into our lives, and yet we fail to hear. Well, tonight we want to talk about that a little bit. We're here in Proverbs 8. Again, we are continuing this chapter. If you were with us last week, we began it, and we let you know that all of Proverbs 8 is the third of four poems from Lady Wisdom. It's this personification of wisdom that kind of just speaks as if, you know, saying, hey, wisdom is being offered to you. And in all of these four poems, there's a familiar theme. And the theme is how accessible, how open. There's this open invitation to God's wisdom and saying to us that his wisdom isn't hard to get to, hard to find. It's something that God has laid around us so that it's available for each and every one of us. Now, much we talked about last week, and if you missed that, you can go back and get that, is he just talked about how much that's true, how much he works into our lives to make that so. But tonight, we're going to jump ahead to verse 22, where we pick up from last week, and he's continuing this thing, but now he, he just kind of goes along a new line of thought in the way that this is happening, the way that God's making his wisdom just available to us. And there in verse 22, he says it this way, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way before his works of old. God begins to kind of just put to us how that wisdom is made available to us in creation. The rest of the chapter is really going to talk to us about how the very creation that you and I live in the midst of is filled with God's wisdom, uh, that God has invested his wisdom into it. It's a part of that creation, and in so many ways for us to hear and see that becomes an incredible opportunity. Well, that's where we're going to go, and so we want to talk a little bit about that, but before we go there, I really want to rabbit trail just for a couple moments. We're going to rabbit trail, and I'm going to let you know that we're done rabbit trailing, and we're going to come back. But I want to just reason with you just for a moment and just talk to you a little bit about this in a way that I think is helpful, but also so that we know at least where we all stand. When I think about creation, God creating the world, I just want to say it as clearly and as unapologetically as, as I can. I believe it literally. I believe God created the world in six days. I believe Genesis 1 and 2. God says that, you know, in, in, in six days, he created the whole world. I just am a simple guy, and I believe that's exactly true. That means that I believe that our world is not millions or billions or trillions of years old. I believe it's 6,000 years old. I believe God created the world in six days. And so, again, I'm going to talk about that a little bit this evening. It's definitely going to be some uh, of the way that we go through that this evening. And again, it's an, it's an amazing thing. But I, again, want to just own the fact that that's something that our world is greatly wrestling with. I mean, you know how it works. Many in our world look at this and think, you know, that it's taken millions of years for changes to happen, lots of time and little bit of, uh, of transition in the midst of our world. And I look at our world and I think, no, I think it's created. And I think a worldwide flood probably created massive changes in our world that now have been co-opted to say that it really is an evolutionary uh, understanding. So again, that's where I am. I fully believe in, in just the authenticity of that. I believe that that's there. But I also want to own the fact that, again, if you don't know, 
that's not universally agreed upon by Christians, very good Christians, Christians who love God and love His Word. Many of them find themselves not believing in a literal six-day creation for lots of reasons. Some of them believe things like a day-age theory and believe that much of what's given us in Genesis, you know, is kind of in a very poetic sense stated, but they just believe that God worked through creation. Some of them hold things like a gap theory that, that move in the midst of that. And I just want to let you know that. In fact, if statistics are correct, and that's always a little bit questionable, but um, that statistics would tell us that the majority of Christians believe that, that the majority of Christians in our world believe that uh, evolution is real and believe that perhaps God just worked through that, that God was the one that worked through just the, the evolutionary kind of understanding. Now, again, I just want to tell you that, hey, that's uh, some that really believe that. Some believe that because they've never really thought it through. Some believe that just because that's the way the world is. Some believe that because that's just really their understanding. And I just want to say it as clear as I can. This is not a saving issue. This isn't something that if you disagree with me that finds us, well, you, know, you might not really be a Christian. No, I mean, it's not. It's a very secondary issue. I mean, I've got to believe that God is the creator and sustainer and end, and I suppose that's, that's you know, hugely important in the midst of that. In fact, I want to just say, if you're here in this church and you disagree with me and you're like, well, Jim, I'm not really there. I mean, I'm not sure that I believe in a literal six-day creation. I kind of believe that maybe God... You know, maybe he just worked in it. Maybe he used evolution to create the world. Does that make me someone who is either, in your mind, again, wrong, or should I leave the church? Is that something that, you know, is, is a key fundamental issue here? And the answer is no, no. I mean, this is definitely one of those places that we can lovingly disagree on and, and think through, but I, at the same moment, just want to reason with you. If that's where you are, and again, I know actually some in our church are, so again, I'm not speaking to nobody. I know people in our, in our church are, are kind of in this place, but maybe the thing that locks this down more than anything else for me is not just the understanding of taking God literally, although that's good. I mean, if you begin to kind of take out Genesis 1 and 2, there's pretty much not anything uh, that you can begin to take out. But it, one of the things that locks it down for me is what it tells us in the book of Romans. In Romans 5, it says, Therefore, just as though through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. So what the Bible tells us is that when Adam and Eve sinned, death entered. Death didn't exist before that. Death wasn't a part of, uh, of the human experience before that. It, it, sin created death, which is exactly what God said. Hey, if you take this, you know, you eat of the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil, death will come. And it did. And death entered into the human experience. And not only did it enter into the human experience, but it spread not, not only to us, but to all of creation. That all of creation entered into that same death spiral because sin entered the world. In fact, he would go on to say it this way in Romans 8, for the very creation was subjected to futility. I mean, it entered into the same futile cycle of, of death and sickness and pain and everything that's in there because the creation itself will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So here's the deal. Death is because of sin. 
if you happen to believe in an evolutionary understanding of our world, then you have to believe that death was a part of what God always wanted, that death existed before sin, that somehow, you know, that you would have to look at pain and you'd have to look at sorrow, even in the animal kingdom, and say, well, obviously, you know, if, if it's a day-age theory, like, you know, every day in Genesis is like a thousand years or a million years, you'd have to say, well, evening and morning is one day and it's good. God looked upon death and it's a good thing. But if you come at it from the angle that I'm bringing to you, you would look at it and say, death is entirely because of sin. Everything that dies, whether it be human beings or animals or trees or anything else, all of that came because of sin. And when Jesus comes back to fix the world, when we enter into that, that atonement, when we finally go into eternity, death will be no more. It'll be no more for us or for anything else. Death exists because of sin. Death is not a good thing. I think that should be clear in our lives. I mean, we don't, I don't think there's any of us who think, well, I think death is really, you know, part of, no, we'd look at it, but neither is it in creation. And so for me, I can go out into creation and I can, I can see an animal that dies and I can say sin did that. That animal is suffering death because sin has entered into our world and creation is suffering. I can go, you know, driving through the mountains and I can see trees uh, that are sick and dying. And I can say, sin did that. That wasn't God. I mean, that was never what God, God didn't like. I think it's want to create death and disease and sickness and that's going to be good for, for all of creation. I can look at it and say, that's not good. That's not a good thing. And that's going to go away. That's going to go away because that's, that's the, the nature of it. And it does for me some incredible things. Now, I spend a little bit of time on that because I'm again going to tell you part of what we want to talk about is how God is speaking to us through creation, that creation itself is talking to you and I. But if you come at this in a way that you look at this world evolutionary, you're going to hear a different message than I hear. You're going to have to look at the, the death and, and pain, and you're going to have to see an animal that's dead, and you're going to have to say, well, that's obviously a good thing. That's how God created it for millions and billions of years. And I just want to tell you, it's not how I hear it. I mean, that changes the fundamentally the way I see so many things. And so I'm just in, inviting you to reason with that. If that's you here this evening, if that's you online, and you're still like, well, Jim, I've never really thought about it. I mean, I've just always believed in evolution because that's what our world just almost universally believes, which it does, not because of science, but because it really is a political pressure. I mean, there really is nothing to back it up. I mean, there really isn't. And so people believe evolution because everybody believes in evolution. People believe in evolution because you can't really be in the scientific community almost as a creationist. You're really drummed out in so many ways. And so all that simply to say, I just encourage you to believe it. Now, does that mean I have all the answers to that? No. I mean, there's great ministries that uh, kind of champion this. We support uh, creation, doc, uh, creation ministries as a church, and they do a good job. If you're interested, you can just go to creation.com and, and get things. But one of the things I love is just the... What, uh, the writer of Hebrews tells us that we're able to say, you know, by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So the things which are, are seen are not made of the things that are visible. I mean, but it's as if we could look at our world and say, how did all this happen? I mean, I don't have to answer all those questions. I don't have to try to figure out, you know, how, you know, even the, the you know, 
light and all that is there? Did God put that there? I mean, how did all that happen? I can just say, you know, I just believe it. I believe it by faith. I, I, I mean, I don't have to. I mean, my, my belief is because God said it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and I just believe it. And, and that just does incredible things for me. Well, again, if that just raises up a whole uh, mess of questions, you can ask us, ask us later. We'd love to give it a shot. But I wanted just to kind of frame that so that as we begin to talk about it, we can think about it this way. Because here's the deal. God is speaking to us. I think about how it tells it to us in Psalm 19, that the heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day it utters speech, and night unto night it's revealing knowledge. I mean, I just love the way this is put. It's like, creation is speaking to you every day, every day. Every day there's a, there, there's a message that God is communicating to us through creation day after day, night after night, and yet our problem is maybe like Balaam. We're just not listening. We're not listening. I mean, in, in one sense, foolishly so, and, and so I want to invite you to be in a space that you would be one who listens, that you would be one who would say, okay, God, I, I want to know those things that you have for me. I, I want to see them. So we get this whole thing. And so again, let's go back to it again there in verse 22. It says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Before his works of old, I have been established, he says in the next verse. It's also important to just say that in many ways, this is a personification of wisdom. This is a wisdom poem. And it's taking wisdom and kind of creating it again, this, this, this poem of, of Lady Wisdom as a personification of wisdom. But wisdom really isn't a being. Uh, it isn't really that. I mean, some people would, you know, almost think that it's like Greek mythology and so you have like wisdom and, and other things. No, it's not. Or maybe even the bigger issue, and it's a lot bigger than I have time to go into, some wonder if God is actually here speaking about Jesus, that this wisdom actually is Jesus being spoken of. Now, that's a powerful kind of consideration because in the New Testament, it will tell us that Jesus is the wisdom of God, that all the treasures of, of knowledge and wisdom are found in him, that he is the, the, the very source of that. And so some would say, okay, when it's talking about the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way, is it saying, is this a picture of Jesus being there? And I just want to tell you, it's an interesting thought. And some really believe that. And it, and it really is partially, just it's an interesting thought, definitely not anything wrong. Good Christians kind of believe that. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not there. For a number of reasons. For starters, it would kind of miss the meaning of the text, but worse than that, so many of these verses then could be used for wrong. There was a whole uh, entrance into a, of an Arian heresy in, in church history where at the very beginning they began to question uh, Jesus's eternity, and, and so it really did become one that was divisive in the early centuries of the church. It would flow into modern-day Jehovah's Witnesses who kind of hold the same kind of theory, and they would say because they believed this was Jesus, they would look specifically at this verse where it says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning. Uh, in the Septuagint, which is the Greek version of this, it says the Lord created me from the beginning. And, and so they would say Jesus didn't exist. He was created. He was created as a part of it. And they used this verse really as one of the fundamental ones that created a heresy that just led to great confusion. Again, that's gotten kind of moved into the Jehovah's Witnesses to this day, and I just want to tell you, 
that, that's a huge, that's just taking this and saying what it's not intending to say. It, it's not describing that. In fact, it's going to talk about it, as, as it's going to say, you know, I, wisdom, dwelt with prudence. And, and so it's not saying, well, okay, well, wisdom was here and then prudence was next to him as if it was like two different people. He's using it as a personification, like wisdom is there. And, and so again, it's not here speaking of wisdom as a person, but again, as a reality. So again, fascinating stuff, much deeper there, but again, just worth understanding that we hear this as this picture of wisdom being present in creation. So again, I'm just going to begin kind of underlining there. If you're going to underline, I just like the way it says, that, you know, that the Lord possessed me. He possessed me at the very beginning. That if you could look at creation and think about all that it is before any of his works of old, before anything was made, there is a sense of wisdom being in the very fabric of the entire thing. In fact, he goes on to say in verse 23, I have been established from everlasting, from the beginning, before there was ever an earth. And again, if you want to underlight, I just want you to kind of think through this place of him saying how, how much wisdom is in the midst of that, how much it's there, that it's been from the beginning from the very foundation of everything that is, wisdom is a part of that. Now, there's a little kind of a tie-in that uh, God is using in the midst of this because in the next few verses, it almost ties into the first few days of creation. Uh, It kind of just lets us know before day one, before day one when God created the earth, which is Genesis 1, 1 through 5, and that day one, he creates light and he creates the whole thing and he creates just the the beginning of of the earth. And so here in this verse, it has the idea like before that, (laughs) Before there, was, before there was ever an earth, wisdom was a part of it. He goes on to say in verse 24, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were, were no fountains abounding with water, and this is day two. Like before day two, when the, when the waters were created, when the seas were made in the midst of that, which is in Genesis 1, verses 6 through 8, he says, you know, that was, I was before that. I, I was before any of that that was created. Verse 25, before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. And that's day three. Uh, Kind of, you know, before the land was created, before any of that. And so again, he's just using this to say, hey, before that, before anything was, wisdom was. Wisdom is a part of the whole thing. It wasn't added afterwards. It's not something that just came even when mankind is created on day six, it's woven into the whole fabric of the entire creation. In fact, keep going, verse 26. While as yet he had not made the earth or the fields or the primal dust of the world. Okay, quick pause, because this is, again, one of those verses that could be a little bit confusing, especially reading it in, in the New King James Version, because we see this, and so he's saying, hey, before all of this, before there was ever an earth or the fields. And then he throws in there's this idea of primal dust. And again, it's one of those things that some people are like, there it is, there's like evolution. He's kind of talking about like the, the, the beginning dust or any of those things. And it just has nothing to do with what that word says. Literally, the Hebrew word just means the head of the dust or the first of the dust or before there was ever dust, before there was ever soil uh, that he was involved in it. So the word primal doesn't speak of any kind of evolutionary thing. Again, it's just talking from the very first dust. In fact, I'll just give it to you. Let me show show you a couple of the translations on the screen uh, that will help you see how others translated it. The ESV says it this way. 
before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. Before, before there was ever any kind of beginning of dust or soil, he did this. The NASB says it this way. While he had not yet made the earth and the fields, nor the first dust of the world. So again, it's just kind of just talking again in this whole poetic place of saying before any of that, before there was any of those things. Even the NIV would say it this way, before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world. So again, maybe more words than are needed, but again, just wanting to make sure that you don't try to see in that verse evolution because it's not there. It's really, again, just saying before any of that was, he did this. He made it. Again, I'm just going to underline that because I like it. I want you to kind of focus on, on God's activity for a couple moments in these next few verses. It says, while he, as yet he had not made the earth because he's the one that made it. He's the one that did that goes on to say in verse 27, when he prepared the heavens, I was there when he drew a circle on the face of the deep. He says, when God did this, you know, before all these things, and he was the one at work, which by the way, again, just kind of since we're talking about some of these realities of creation and how it works, it's also just worth kind of just noticing that idea that he drew a circle uh, on the face of the earth. And that, that word circle speaks of circular it's even where we get the idea of a globe, has the idea of looking out at the horizon and seeing the idea of the curved horizon where it meets the earth in the midst of it. And I'm just going to say it very, very quickly. There's no flat earth here. I mean, this is no, I mean, any place that people are like, well, you know, the Bible teaches. No, it has, I mean, from the very, it was always understood. Even in times before, you know, other parts of scientific communities in the world that did think the world was flattering those things. It's here in the scriptures that would say it otherwise. John MacArthur says it this way in his uh, a Bible uh, study book, it says, the Hebrew word for circle indicates that the earth is a globe. Therefore, the horizon is circular. And again, it's just this beautiful little picture that we kind of get this and say, okay, like even in the midst of this, we begin to see that God is working and in, in the creation that we know and see. So we went back to it. I, I talked about in verse 26, you should have underlined, he made the earth. And I'm just going to underline here, he prepared it. He prepared the heavens. He says, when he prepared it, I, wisdom, I was a part of that because God was the one that was preparing it. God was the one that was making those things. Turn the page to verse 27. When he established the clouds, when he strengthened the fountains of the deep. And again, you're just being invited to see God's handiwork. You're being invited to see that he's the one that established, that he's the one that, that strengthened that, that he's the one. I mean, you're seeing his creative genius. You're seeing the beauty that flows into all of creation, that he's the one that made it, that he's the one that prepared it, that he established it, that he strengthened it in the midst of that. He goes on and says in verse 29, when he assigned the sea its limit, so that the waters would not transgress his command when he marked out the foundation, uh, uh, foundations of the world. And so I like this. He says, when you're looking at things and you're trying to figure out it, it's like, okay, God thought this up. I mean, you look out at the creation and think, he made it. He prepared it. He strengthened it. And even in assigning it limits, when we look at the oceans and the way that they work, his idea his idea. He set limits on all of that and said, okay, this is where you, where you exist, and this is where you're a part of it. It didn't happen by accidents or evolution. Again, it happened by design. 
It happened by the beauty of his understanding that he's the one that did all of that. He's the one that marked out the foundations of the earth so that he planned it and he put it in place so that when you see it, you should be able to see it as as his masterpiece. You should be able to see it much like you would go to a museum or someplace and view, you know, somebody's art and, 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 and just their statues or whatever, and you would say, hey, they made that. You should be able to walk out in creation and think, that was his idea. We wouldn't have that if he didn't think it up. That my God dreamed that. He believed that. He made it. We have colors. We have rainbows. We have clouds. We have, we have you know, all the things that we have because it was in the, in the genius of God. Now, we can still see pain, sorrow, and suffering and say, well, sin kind of messed it up. But I can still see past that and see the beauty of what my God put in the midst of it. And, and it's a beautiful place when you watch what God has done. Talks about wisdom again as a personification there in verse 30. It says, then I was beside him as a master craftsman. And again, you see how much we're feeling that. Should be feeling like, okay, I see it. I mean, I see this creation, and it wasn't, it's not happenstance, it's not random. There's a, a master craftsman that is behind all of this, God, and, and the wisdom that God has placed in that is a part of that. So you think about it from God's perspective, you even catch this next part where wisdom kind of talks about its involvement in the midst of this, and it says, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and my delight was with, with the sons of men. So this is Hebrew poetry uh, that, one more time, it's a rhyming not of sound but of thoughts, and it's worth just kind of catching it because you probably can see it. He does this thing where he says, I was daily his delight, and then he says, I was rejoicing always uh, before, before him, and then he kind of reverses it. In verse 31, it says, rejoicing in the inhabited word and my delight. Uh, was in the sons of men. So there's just this beautiful little couplet that flows in the midst of this in a, in a pretty powerful uh, way that it does it, but it's just this picture that says, this is delightful. Like God looked at it and his involvement in it, wisdom is involved in it, was a pleasure. It is a, a delight to be involved in it. So it's you know, just daily rejoicing, rejoicing in his inhabited world and specifically when we look at mankind. They, God, God did this intentionally and purposely and, and beautifully, and it's this beautiful place of just seeing his incredible work and, and his delight and everything that is there. Now, he speaks all of that so that he can now tell us, as he's, he's calling us to this and calling us into everything that he has for us, it says in verse 32, Now, therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not disdain it. So now he's going to speak to us. I mean, now it's as if we've said, okay, so creation is filled with the beauty of God's design. It's filled with the beauty of his delight, with his purpose, with his making, with his, I mean, it's all of that. And so now flowing from this weight of the creative genius of God that's in the midst of, of, of the world, he says, okay, now, like right now, you and I, therefore, because of this, we should be listening. We should be listening. And the idea in this context is listening to what creation itself is telling us, to, to the things that are behind that, that we should be there for, he goes on to say, blessed are those who keep my ways. I mean, if you, if you would hear, if you would see it, he says what you need to do is hear instruction. You need to hear what's behind that and be wise. 
be wise through all of that. Don't disdain it. Don't resist it. Don't be like Balaam, you know, kind of fighting against what God is speaking to speak to you, even through his creation, even through an animal, if you will, in the midst of it. You want to be ones like, okay, I'm listening. I'm hearing. I'm hearing what God is saying. So let's just pause for a moment, and let me just ask you. Again, not in a way that you're going to be able to answer out loud, but I'm, I'm I, you know, if you ever want to talk to me about it, I'd love to hear it. Do you do this? Are you paying attention Are you paying attention to the world around you that God made? Are you doing this? Because again, we said there in Psalm 19, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. I mean, they're telling you, look how great God is. I mean, if you could see what creation is, is his handiwork, is the beauty of his design, you would see God is an amazingly glorious God. The firm is showing what he has done, his handiwork. Day unto day, it's uttering speech. Night unto night, is revealing knowledge. Again, I just want to say it. If evolution is true or you believe in that, then it's not that. And I think it's one of the lies that makes evolution so disruptive because you look out at the world and you say, boy, that's just random. <laughs> that just happened over time and kind of worked its way out instead of saying, no, that's his handiwork that he thought that up. He designed it, made it, it exists because he wanted it. It's a beautiful reality, and so again, it invites us to do that. So what would that look like for you? What would it look like for you to actually be paying attention? There's a lot of ways this does it in my life. I'll just give you a few. Sometimes when maybe I'm feeling overwhelmed or uh, just even the weight of things fall on me. It's not uncommon that I'll walk out uh, somewhere where I can see the night sky and just see the stars. I've been known to lay down somewhere and just look at them for a few moments and just think about it. He put all those there. And pr- he knows every one of those by name, the scriptures tell me. And they're all right where they're supposed to be. And, and somehow just thinking about his creation, thinking about the way he holds it together flows into my life. It's like he knows me. I, I am not just some random you know, orb moving through the galaxy kind of thing. There's, I'm known, I'm placed. And and sometimes just feeling what I see in creation, it can speak more volume to me than just the understanding of that, just seeing it in creation. Other times, maybe I'm wrestling through things. I mean, I think about it. uh, Maybe it's putting together a message like one I'm speaking tonight, or maybe I'm wrestling with something that uh, you know, getting to do a wedding or doing something a part of it. And sometimes just the, the, the weight of trying to do that. And, and I find myself just thinking of the beauty of God. And, and I'll think about the beauty of a flower or the way that he's designed it. And it's like, Lord, that, <laughs> I, want, I want that to be a part of my life. I don't want to have this um, black and white, one-dimensional, uh, you know, God, as if God were, I mean, I, I, if I could see the beauty of God, then I long for that to be expressed in my life. I long to say, Lord, I want it to be beautiful. I, I want people to see things that, are, and I want you as a God who is a God of symmetry and design. And I don't know if that makes any sense, but it does something for me. Just to see what God has done, it's like, I, I want more of, of what you are. I, I see the beauty of, of, del, of, of his design and delight. I mean, sometimes again, it will just hit me. You know, there's a lie that, um, Satan would put into our world that would tell us that God's a killjoy, that God really wants you to, you know, just, he, he doesn't really care about you having fun, doesn't really care about uh, your pleasure or, or any of those things, and, and it's, a, it's a lie that really is from just the pit of hell. But I just want to tell you, if ever you just stop and 
pay attention to the colors and think, we wouldn't have any of these. I mean, if God wanted to make a black and white creation, that's what we would have had. He designed that. Or, or the beauty of sound. And just like, okay, I hear it. I mean, I can hear what's happening. I can hear whether music or even just the creation around me. Or even the beauty of taste. I mean, you sit down to have some gr- good dinner or eat some snack, and I'll just pause and think, you know, it didn't have to be this way. I mean, he, if he was the killjoy that people think he is, he could have just created like food supplement 22. It's bland and boring, eat it. Instead of thinking, green chili. He thought of green chili. I mean, that, this, is, this is his idea that God said, they're going to love this in New Mexico. Like, they said, this is going to be cool. And, and, or, or chocolate or whatever. It's like, God, you thought that up. I mean, like, you believed. And, and, and I can look at this and say, this is the heart of my God that wants me to experience joy and, and wants me to enjoy life. And, and I just want to tell you, there's things that are always talking to you. It's every day. It's not just like, well, you know, it happens, you know, it's every day if you pay attention, whether it's a sunset or a bird that flies by or, or the beauty of a flower or, or, the, or the, the comfort that comes even from the animal creation that's around us, there's a voice that's speaking to you. And, and if you could hear it, you'd be magnifying God. It would be like, wow, I'm constantly being reminded uh, of God's beauty, of his design, of his glory, of his holiness. And even when you see the bad things, again, even when your pet dies, or even when something dies, you'd look and think, I'm so sorry that sin has brought that into the world. That should never have been a part of it. I mean, I feel pain, I feel sorrow, I feel loss right now, because that's what sin does in our world. And I can even own in that. I mean, even that becomes this beautiful place of like, God, I'm so glad you're fixing this. I'm so glad this isn't what you created for billions of years, and it's certainly not what eternity is going to look like. This is not a, I mean, just, he's always talking in ways that are just beautiful. And so maybe it's a part of your world. Maybe it's a part of what you are doing, but I just want to call you to it. And so that's what he's giving us. He says, it goes on this way in verse 34 and says, blessed is the man who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the posts of my doors. He says, how blessed is the one who would listen. Listen to the wisdom of God that's found in creation, that's found in the creation about you, that you're watching daily, your eyes are open daily to see the world that's around you, the creation that's around you. You're, you're waiting at the post of the doors. The idea of at every space where you go, you, you, you're looking for what God is speaking, and he's speaking to us through creation. He just does. He does so in amazing ways. He does so in ways that just cause us to see everything that he has for us. He goes on to simply say it this way, just kind of giving it to us there in verse 35, for whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord, that the one who does that, who walks in that, becomes everything that God has, and just in the midst of it. And so, again, I'm just going to kind of do a little circling here, so you could say for, you know, because he's calling us to this, and so that becomes the thing, whoever. I just like that, just good, quick pause. This is for you. This isn't for just some scientific brain. Whoever, man, woman, old, young, whoever finds me, you will find life. If you, will find, if you will hear the wisdom of God that's in the creation of God, it is life-giving. Uh, again, he's not just talking, he's not here speaking of, you know, getting life over death necessarily, but he's calling us to what Jesus would say, that he says, you know, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. 
I've come to bring you to real living, to to life that is satisfying, that's good. If you would find that, and he says, you would do this and you would obtain favor. You would obtain favor from the Lord. I mean, to hear God's wisdom, to be responding to that, he says, here's what would happen. Here's what would happen if you would do that. Whoever finds me, you're going to find life. You're going to obtain favor. It's going to be this place of blessing. And certainly it is this place of an invitation that he's inviting you to say, God, I want to hear it. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to hear your truth being just rolled over in me in my world day after day and night after night. And it's life-giving. And it's favor. It's grace from God. But the other side of it is equally as true. But... He who sins against me wrongs his own soul, and all those who hate me love death. So, so here's the thing, where the verse 35 says anybody, whoever could get this, you know, it's for all of them, it says here, but the one here who sins against me, who resists hearing God, who won't pay attention and won't listen to what God is saying, even in the midst of his creation, he says, you're, you're hurting you. You're wronging your own soul. You're not hurting God. I mean, that's kind of maybe I should just kind of, well, I mean, yeah, breaking his heart, that kind of thing, but you're hurting you. If you're, out of, if you're out of sync with him and out of sync with his, what he's doing in the world and out of sync with his creation, you're, you're harming your own soul. You're, you're robbing your own life of that. And he says, all those who hate me, just all those who are a part of this, like every one of them, if you resist God and you resist what he's speaking, you resist who he is, he says, then, then you really must love death. It, it really becomes that which becomes altogether harmful and altogether destructive. Now, that's a tragic reality, uh, tragic reality that at times that could even be true for believers at times, just being on the wrong side of hearing God, not paying attention, not, not hearing. It's like, what are you doing? You don't, even, don't you love life and calling us uh, away from that? But certainly in the midst of this, there's a greater call. The call is in the midst of even all of this to call those who don't know God to him. He says, why would you resist me? I'm, call, I'm, I'm speaking to you all the time that I'm real. That part of what creation is shouting to the world is there is a God. <laughs> there is a God who made all this. Again, I personally, again, believe, again, whether you agree or disagree, it's one of the great tragedies of the lie of evolution because they believe it's blunted that for people. I believe that people, because they've believed the lie of evolution, don't hear the loud voice that, so how do you think all this came about? I mean, how do you think there is any of this? There's, there's a God, and you could know him. And, and, and yet if you resist that wisdom, he says, you know, you, you're wronging your own soul, and you love death. I call you away from that. If there's any of you in this room right now, or there's someone online right now, that you're outside of a relationship with God, you're that disconnected. Boy, you're wrong in your own soul. You're pursuing not life, but death. And we call you out of that and call you to Christ. We call you to the one who would rescue and to the God who is the God of creation. The God is woven into creation, an incredible voice and, and all that's there. We call you to be a part of that and see what it looks like. I mean, I just think of how amazing that is. So again, I think about that. I think about those that are there. And so I'm gonna kind of zoom out a little bit because I just like the way this lands where he's kind of giving us one of two choices. I mean, and it's true for your life as a whole. But it's also true the way that you're listening to him. Because maybe you're a Balaam. I mean, God is trying. 
to talk to you. I mean, he's using the creation around you. He's using the sky and the sunsets, and he's using animals like a donkey. And, and you are completely missing what God is doing. You're completely out of sync with what he's trying to speak. I just want to call you to be one that would hear, because I just love the way it is. It says whoever would find that, who would, who would find that God is talking to us through creation, that, his, that day unto day and night after night creation is speaking to us, it says if you find this, it's going to be life to you. It's going to be a life-giving, life-giving source to your life, and you're going to obtain favor and grace from God. May that be you. Maybe it's something you do already, or maybe it's something you did in the past and you've been failing to do. Can I just invite you to it? Just say, okay, I want that. I want to be someone who opens up my eyes, hears, sees the beauty of God speaking through creation. But all those who sin against me, who resist what God is speaking, resist his voice, he said, you're wrong in you. You're wrong in your own soul. All those who hate me love death. In some ways, I think, and you, you look at this, and there should be like no doubt that there's a good path to go here. There's a good path to be on. There's a good path for you to choose to say, God, I want to hear you. I, I, wanna, I want my life to live in response to you, and, and, and I want to do that. Whether it's giving your life to him tonight and being saved, or maybe as a child of God saying, God, I've, I've just been out of sync. I just haven't been paying attention. I haven't been hearing, and I I want to hear you. I want to find life. I want to find the beauty of life that is found everywhere around me. So that's where we're going to end. I'm going to end here in just this Proverbs 8 that just is calling us again with this idea that wisdom is available to you. Wisdom is not hard. It's not like you have to go climb some mountain to get to it. It's not like you have to go, you know, reach to some, you know, huge, you know, some weird guru of some kind. He says, like, I'm talking to you all the time. Wisdom is so available. It is so available that it's in the creation all around you. It's here in Roswell. You don't have to go somewhere else, although going somewhere else you could see it as well. But it's so available to you. It's right in front of you. And I just invite you to be one that says, okay, God, I want to hear what you're speaking to me daily in the, in the beauty of everything that's there. So let's take a few moments. Let's go before him in prayer. Ask for that. Ask that he would meet us. And again, just surrender your life into the midst of it. I long that that would be. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you for the beauty of creation, your creation, your design that you made, that you marked out, that you rejoiced in and wisdom rejoiced in. God, I thank you for the wisdom that flows through so much around us. God, I pray that you'd help us to hear it. Right now I ask if there's anybody in this room or anybody online that right now they're, they're completely out of sync with you. They don't hear this, they don't, see, they don't see you. They've bought into the lie that everything's just accidental and they feel like their life is just an accident. And in so many ways, they're not finding life. They're doing that which you said hates their own soul. Lord, it's leading them to death. God, would you rescue? Would you rescue them from the lies and draw them to Jesus? Because, Lord, this world is broken. It's broken by sin. 
Sin is what's brought in death and sickness and pain and sorrow and suffering. And you sent Jesus to die for our sins so that we could be rescued from that and eventually all of creation will be rescued from it as well. That all of creation is longing for that day that it would be also rescued from the futility of this world. God, thank you that you're the fix, that you have fixed this. Now, God, help us to just be in sync with that. God, would you give us ears to hear? Would you help us to be a people that recognize that day after day and night after night, creation is speaking to us about your glory, your greatness, who you are, in words sometimes that are so profound that they hit us with such a depth that we just needed to hear it. God, where that's already happening in our lives, thank you, just increase that. Where we're just oblivious and we miss it every day, would you help us to see it tonight? Tomorrow, if you give us tomorrow, would you cause something in your creation just to just shout at us of who you are, that we'd see it and we'd see you behind it. You as the designer, the creator, the sustainer. God, would you meet us? Would you cause that to be just the reality that we walk in so that the wisdom that you have for us is flowing into us? Because I recognize it's true. You, you said that this would work for any of us, for anyone, for anyone who would do this, that it would anyone who would seek this, they would find life and obtain favor from you. May you help that to be true in our lives. We ask for that together right here and right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.